Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today. Welcome to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. have been another draw, but ending Sydney FC's perfect start to the A-League season with some consolation on a dramatic Saturday evening for a Brisbane Raw outfit now five games unbeaten. Welcome to the Massimo Madocca-inspired episode 8 of the Brisbane Football Review here in the Switch 1197 studios for the Outside 90 Fan Network. I'm James Coglin here to be your host, and I'm joined once again this week by two well-travelled observers in Scott Owen and Adam Pace. With the Raw's three teams having a win, a draw and a loss over the weekend, how do you guys think the club's travelling so far? It was a mixed bag this weekend, wasn't it? I mean, there was some, some good football in all three teams, and the results were mixed, but I thought it was a... We were at the W League game, obviously, at the weekend, and the A League. It was some good football in both. And, I do think, and we'll get to W League later, but I thought it was a... They could have picked up points there as well. Anyway. Oh, look, I think we're travelling really well. I think if you actually... Where all our teams are situated on their respective ladders, I think if you said to take that you know, eight or nine weeks ago, I think you'd be, you'd be laughing. And as someone pointed out in the comments on the, when I posted that on Sunday night, we're above Melbourne Victor on every table. Well, that's the important thing. <laughs> And I suppose, as you said in, I believe it was episode three, you can't read too much into the table this early in the season. Not yet. So let's get started with segment one, the A-League review. So it was a big Saturday night showdown, build a state versus state. Sydney FC came to Suncorp Stadium looking to make it seven straight wins, while the Raw were relying on Queensland pride and a 10-game unbeaten run at home. The visitors went ahead early thanks to a sensational strike from Josh Belante before Thomas Christensen equalised five minutes before half-time. Despite a pulsating second half with a touch of controversy, Michael, C- Michael Theo's heroics ensured the 36th meeting between the two clubs ended in a 1-1 draw in front of 17,322 in attendance. So let's get started with the very controversial moment from this game. Ryan Grant, what happened with that? He was shown a yellow, the ref had the card out, we're not quite sure. Then we're shown another yellow card late in the game and the entire crowd, I think, was banging for blood at that point. Well, it was massive confusion because everyone thought the first yellow card had been given and in the crowd, you're right, everyone was just bang for the second yellow card and they were confused when it didn't come because everyone has just thought because he took the yellow card out in that first challenge that he was on a second yellow and it wasn't until he got home and found out that he didn't give it and for whatever reason I don't understand why he didn't give it when he's got it out I mean so Adam, got it out yeah. Aloisi made the point in the press conference aren't you we're, supposed to give it when you we were it actually out? at the game and obviously we obviously you know with the beauty of having you know, mobile phone whatnot, we actually, I actually was looking at the uh, A-League official app and actually had listed yeah. Ryan Grant's first yellow card in 57. So we're thinking up in, in, at the top of the stand, we're thinking, what is going on? We're thinking Graham Paul moment. Yeah, yes. that was actually, I yeah. literally pulled my phone out, was ready to go on Twitter and say, oh God, we've got the Australian Graham Paul. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to credit Vince Rigari because we credit him with a lot on this podcast yeah. anyway. He was saying he never, uh, Grant was never actually shown that first yellow card. And so, it was, that's the confusion in the ground because nobody knew that because the card was out. It's just assumed. I mean, maybe they have to go about putting it on the scoreboard who's got a yellow card to see who, so people know if it's been given or not. Because Well, I know you see it some grounds around the world. Like, they've got the lineups and they mark who's scored, yeah. who's been booked and whatnot. But I was, re- I was really confused because I saw, I believe it was Alan Milliner, the referee. Yep, yes. Alan Milliner. He was running around with the book out and the card ready to show it. 
what changed his mind? I... Well, I, either Ryan Grant is, you know, he's got a future in law after after his football <laughs> career, or and the, which what which concerns me, and I think I mean, a lot of football fans is that did he see a replay and decide to change his mind, or was he or was he confused by by you now obviously because there was a bit of a melee that almost occurred you know in the wake of it. So look, I guess there's only one person that could really answer that, and um, I'm I'm not sure I didn't see any ex- official explanations or anything like that, but. Yeah, it, it boggles the mind how it actually got to that point. You now, we're right, wrong, or indifferent. The whole process just seemed to absolutely collapse. And, you know, you got 17,000 people in the stands thinking, what the hell's going on? And I do think we do need an explanation because there's only three that I can think of. He saw the replay, which he's not supposed to do. He's distracted by the melee, which he should be having concentration enough to give it afterwards. Or he's changed his mind. And I think we need an answer to which one. Because if he's looking at the replay, that's completely forbidden yep. under FIFA rules. And the other two, we need a clarification there. And well, how many times do we see the players, you know, pointing to the big screens at Suncorp, yeah. going, "Look at that! Look at that! You got it wrong!" And the ref goes, "I can't look at it. It doesn't make a difference." Yeah, and if he's looked at it this time, then he's made a mistake. There, that's it. He's not the only one this weekend who could have made a mistake. Yes. Well. Mm. Anyway, so overall, I thought the Raw didn't exactly get off to the best start, despite the state of origin billing for this game. It didn't have a state of origin atmosphere for the first half hour plus, where. I thought the players, the crowd as a whole, were actually quite flat. Could have been Katy Perry. I don't know. <laughs> but I don't know. I just thought overall, it wasn't a great start. The Raw made plenty of mistakes. How, how did you make the start of the game, Adam? I thought it was poor. I think even, and even it was poor, I guess, you know, from the Raw start with the Brillante goal. They really put a pin in sort of the enthusiasm. It was only, you know, when they actually started working back into the game, the back end of the first half, when the crowd actually started to lift. And obviously when Christensen equalised, that sort of, you know, obviously sort of raised the atmosphere. But the first 30 minutes, it was, it was flat. It was dead. It was, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. I was actually really surprised because I'm sitting just almost behind the raw bench. And there were times where I could hear the 300-odd Sydney fans over the den. And for me, that shouldn't be happening when you've got at least one full bay of fans standing and supposedly cheering. You shouldn't be getting drowned out by a bunch of Sydney-siders. Well, it reminds me of the game two years ago when Sydney came up here and they won 2-0, the start of the Yanko goal. Yeah, that's right. It reminds me of the the start of the game, reminded me of that, where Sydney's pressure and the raw incapable of playing out from the back and they capitalised and scored a one. That's what it kind of reminded me of anyway. But Sydney have, have, you know, they they seem to be the ones that have mastered that almost what we call the full-court press sort of, you know, style. I know that was the tactic that brought undone the 36-game unbeaten streak, that and the winter cogra that day. So they they always seem to match up um, very well tactically against the raw, especially... It's sort of that counters their, their sort of style. But uh, yeah, and it was almost a repeat of that until, until we equalised. Well, that full-court press worked really well because obviously the Raw were trying to play out from the back. And as we've seen a few times this season, that hasn't, that hasn't gone to plan. We've seen misplaces, misplaced passes from Luke Devere and whatnot. And, the, and then you've seen, uh, yeah, they were passing it straight to a whole bunch of Sydney FC players. And I know they were in different jerseys, but they've never worn blue or at least all sky blue. <laughs> yeah. And there were a lot of times where I saw them passing out and it was just intercepted right from that. And that's actually how the first goal came about. And we have seen under Aloisi, they have at times tended to knock the ball along when it's required. And that's why I was surprised it didn't happen. And it might have been because there's no Jamie McLaren. There's no outlet. There's, Took the words you, right out of my yeah, mouth. I know you were going <laughs> yeah. there. I thought I'd do it for you. Jamie McLaren, there's no outlet there. Holman's not really the number nine and there wasn't really an outlet. So they might have thought we've got to play this way. And it just didn't work in the first half. And I did notice... You know, from my vantage point, there wasn't a lot of go forward, I suppose, from Holman because I don't think he really backed himself to get beyond the Sydney FC defence. I don't think he's actually a striker, despite what people are 
for what no. Aloisi is saying you can play there, maybe in a pinch, but I wouldn't be relying on it. And, oh, well, I suppose, you know, he's the sort of guy you could put up as maybe a second striker when you're chasing the game. Mm. But overall, yeah, I think he's better suited to that attacking midfield role. And I almost would have considered putting someone, you know, someone like, if you're looking for pace, Tommy Orr. Like, I know he's not a natural central player, but... You needed someone to occupy the centre halves and offer a, a ball in behind to run onto. That's what was really missing. And Tommy Orr could have done that. There's plenty of others who could have done that in the team as well. But. but it was a very rough night overall. Just going back to the refereeing controversy, Jade North, got, I suppose he almost got away with one there because there was a f- ball through where he pulled down the Sydney striker. Yeah, I forget who it was. It was Brosk. He had two goes at it. I thought he was pretty lucky as well, to be honest. I mean, I don't think yeah. that... I think it was Hingit, was it? On the coming through back on the right? I think, yeah. I, think that's, I don't that's, think he would have got that. I think, you know, I, on that, I think Jade North can thank Jack Hingit for that because I think he making ground and closing in probably is what... Convinced uh, Alan Milner I'm just trying to show the yellow rather than a straight red for that sort of you know, the I guess the classic last man sort of you know foul. So that that one in itself, look, I can understand the you know, Sydney supporters sort of you know countering and blowing up, saying, "Well, if Ryan Grant should have gone, well, why not Jade North?" But I think each each and eachness, I think, you know, that, that's a fifty fifty call. If that had been a red card, I wouldn't have yeah. come on no, here and complained. It's two pretty poor decisions from the referee, and you can't argue if you had got a red there, to be honest. And the, well, the way I always judge those refereeing decisions is what was my gut instinct telling yeah. me? Because you know it's all well and good to reevaluate after twenty super yeah. slow mo high def replays, but you're getting a lot of these guys that are having to evaluate people that are bigger, faster, stronger than before. And it's not just in football, it's across all sports. The referees, I do think, are struggling to keep up with the pace of play. That and also, if it was the other way around, would you expect the red card to be given if that was yes. Matt Yeoman dragging down Jamie McLaren, for example? Well, Matt Yeoman would drag down a lot of people. From, <laughs> if, I remember, if I remember his time at the Raw correctly. I picked the wrong mm. defender here. I'll start, <laughs> well, Alex Wilkinson. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so... I think there's one player the Raw really have to thank for being able to come away with a point, Michael Theo. We've criticised him a lot. He hasn't had a lot to do lately. Have I have. <laughs> I, thought, I thought he was pretty poor the last couple of games with the goals he's led up. But look, the Brillante strike was... Brillante? Oh, I'll, I'll show myself. <laughs> yeah, here's your hat. Okay, it was, uh. it was a phenomenal strike. Nobody, I think, would have saved that. Well, maybe Petacek would, but... Oh, no, Mike Bozzetruck backed himself. No, oh. no, no. <laughs> yeah, I think Bozza would have said, what, what's his always line? You need to be diving forward to make the save. <laughs> but, oh, look, Theo was phenomenal. He had a couple of great saves. And I do think he was the one responsible for getting the crowd into it because there were a couple of misplaced passes that led to one-on-ones and he really just got in the way. And we were talking about this beforehand where Brisbane crowds, are, in general, they kind of need the teams to lift them rather than them lifting the teams. And... Theo did his job. I will, I will get to that point about Theo, but you brought up Peter Check and Arsenal. I just want to point out the fan cams on Saturday night. There was one individual who was so <laughs> Chris, adamant that yes. Arsenal would defeat Manchester United. I just want to know what happened, James. Arsenal played awful. <laughs> anyway, this is... Yeah, but on Theo, I, mean, I do think he was... He copped a bit after his performance against Adelaide, but on Saturday, he's back to his best. I mean, he, they could have been 4-0 at half-time if it wasn't for Michael Theo, and they could have won it again in the last 10 seconds of the game, but for another... Phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> well... I honestly think, overall, it was a really good showing from the Raw, and that second half was much improved. And it probably had a lot to do with the fact that Jamie McLaren came on. It was for an injured Thomas Christensen. Were you surprised that that was the change made? Although we did later find out it was an injury. At the time, yes. But then, obviously, then obviously news filtered around that it was actually an injury replacement. So, look, I actually I think that's actually quite encouraging, you know, that, that John Aloisi sort of, you know, saw that, you know, what, why wait 
and you know, and maybe bring off a striker or something like that. You know, it was an attacking move. You know, sort of clear and ten chasing the game. They could have easily, you know, brought another defender or um, one of the midfielders on. Like Jacob Pepper would have been the the, the, obvious, yeah, the obvious sort of one. you know like for like change. So I guess in a way it's a positive sign that you know at half time when the opportunity presented itself that you know Johnny Wilson said, you know what, we're going for this game. We're going to try and win it. It's also maybe a sign he probably thought it wasn't working either in the first half with the lack of a genuine number nine up there. And whether it was totally injury-enforced or just Aloisi saying, no, nah, I've got to make that change, it, yeah. I, I think it they worked. said Christensen was feeling his hamstring and not fully gone. I mean, probably part precaution, part we need to get a striker on. Oh, look, look, for all we know, for all we know it's just maybe how the cards fell. That, you know, he was going to make the, always going to make the change. Yeah. It just happened to be that Thomas Christensen wasn't going to you know, make it through or that you know, he was the obvious one to take out you know, to, to preserve him. Yeah, it was a, I thought it was a really good performance overall in that second half. Could have probably and maybe should have, but there's a whole bunch of should haves in football. Yeah. But <laughs> oh look, I <laughs> won't get started on. I think at the end of the day, we give Sydney credit. This is a team that you know came into SunCorp unbeaten and with a perfect record. Now to go one to go one all, you know, you've got to take that as a great performance from the Raw. And both sides probably would argue they could have won the game as well. Which to me says it was a really really yeah. good game. Like, and look for me, Sydney were the benchmark team. They're six from six, as you said, and the Raw showed the, uh, an ability to match it with them. And maybe not playing a full 90 minutes as well. And they were both... T- Sydney FC kind of had their best team on the park there, I thought. I think the Raw still have... They have McLaren to come back into that 11. They have Arana to get up to speed, perhaps, as well. There's still some growth there, I see, with Brisbane in the attacking third, especially. That's right. We've got two more games against Sydney to look forward to. and I, I think there make... might be another one after that in the finals somewhere. I, I would. That is a finals match I would happily go to. Yeah. Well, actually, I'd happily go to any finals match, but... <laughs> Might have to rethink that statement. But overall, Maroon Saturday. Scott, we know your thoughts on it. Do you feel like, as a campaign, it actually worked? Um, It gained some publicity and enthusiasm. If you look at the crowd results, was it 17-3, you said? Yep. The average against Sydney FC is 17-8. So it didn't translate into fans in attendance, which you can say it gained publicity, but it didn't translate into attendances, which you could argue it worked, you could argue it didn't. It's kind of about... Maybe it did. I'll, I'll, say, I'll sit on the fence on it and say it was a good idea, maybe not the outcome you were hoping for. Yeah, I think um, marketing, I think publicity, I think success. I guess about at the end of the day, putting bums on seats you know, and whatnot, I don't think it, you know, it translated. You know, that was a game that easily we thought, you know, especially you know, having the, the league leaders up here, the Raw obviously in good form, you would have thought that's a 20,000-plus crowd. But... Uh, mm. For, for all we know, yeah, like Saturday night, there shouldn't be many excuses on why, especially in, in November, there should be not many excuses why can't, people can't turn out to that game. So, look, at the end of the day, it's uh, look a win off the pitch, you know, as far as you know, publicity, but, yeah, did it do much for the, sort of, you know, the averages? Not really. Saturday night, 7 o'clock, good weather, first game on the Tim Cahill bounce, you would have expected a bit more than 17-3, I think. Well, you just have to hope the Raw can keep up that momentum. And it try is a good, yeah. been some good crowds for the Raw. I mean, it's, I'm not trying to knock because 17-3 is a good attendance. It's just it's not quite what was probably being expected and hoped for. And this is kind of, for me, where playing in Suncorp Stadium really does work against them. Where 17,000 in most yeah. stadiums would be phenomenal. Like, yeah. compare Amy Park, which yep. I think is a fantastic football stadium. That's, what, two-thirds, almost two-thirds full. It's about two-thirds, two-thirds yeah. Yeah. Whereas with Suncorp, that's barely okay. a quarter. Yeah. Or just over a quarter full. I think, you know, it's going to have to keep growing. And 17,000, if they can keep up that number for the rest of the season, that would be it's one of their most it's successful. It's about average, isn't it? Because the Perth, the Perth crowd was about 15. I think victory was around 18 or 19. So 
Yeah. If they're well, averaging 17, I don't think they should be complaining. Well, currently the Raw has got the third highest attendance you know, in the league at the moment, and the two in front of them, you know, Western Sydney and um, and Melbourne Victory, is that, that their crowd numbers are boosted by by the Derby. Yeah, so, that, yeah. look, anyone saying that you know there's not fans out there, you know, I, I now they probably need to look at the stats and say, you know what, Raw from an attendance figure is actually travelling quite nicely. Well, I actually heard Adam Peacock on Fox Football. He was saying the TV ratings for this uh, fixture were up as well. So that's got to be encouraging that there are more people interested and I think we all agree there is a football yeah. audience here in Brisbane it's just a case of getting them to come every two weeks or whatever and making them proper making it an actual event that people want to get to and if this is the first sign of like an annual state of origin event it'll probably grow from there hopefully it does if it's a continuous thing but as a starting point it's not too bad but you might have mm. hoped for a little bit more yeah all right so I think the Royal have another home game against Sydney FC in February I don't know when. I know they have one, though. They have another home game. Okay, so would you repeat Maroon, Sat- or Maroon Saturday, Friday, whatever day of the week it is? I think so. I wouldn't be surprised if they did. I wouldn't also be surprised if they did it orange in that and Maroon against the victory. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. One of those two games, they will do it, for sure. They repeat the jersey? Well, they've, got, they've got to do it at least one more time, I think. I'm not sure when, which of the games it'll be. It might even be West Sydney. You never know. Yeah, that, I could see that working. If, Sydney, if West Sydney were there away kit. But yeah. Uh, the weird thing that just kept sticking out to me, my fiance Beck was saying this as well, it didn't quite look like the same colour as the State of Origin jerseys. It almost looked a little bit like Manly in the NRL. Yeah, everyone hates Manly, don't they? <laughs> That's why no one turned up. Everyone hates Manly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? If the Roar are going to be the most uh, most hated team in the A League, you know, hopefully it's just because they keep winning. It's not yeah. going to happen, mate. Victory's got that mantelpiece sewn up. I don't know. Western <laughs> Sydney are providing some pretty stiff competition. Anyway, that's going to do it for segment one. We'll be back in a little bit with segment two of the Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. And welcome back to the Switch 1197 Studios for segment two of the Brisbane Football Review, part of the Outside 90 Fan Network. We're going to look around the A-League right now and talk about the other games that went on this weekend. Was it the Friday night game, Western Sydney Wanderers 1-1 against Melbourne City. I just had a quick look on Twitter and I believe Kareem Bullitt's still celebrating the <laughs> offside goal. Oh, dear. <laughs> Did you see happen, do you happen to see where he was celebrating? Uh, somewhere around the McDonald's area around the stadium, wasn't it? The Homebush area there. <laughs> what did you, you take away from this game? Uh, I think it's a... Well, it's a... Uh, I think it's a case of the Wanderers. I think they're. Oh, it's hard to know with them. Um, I think they're sort of they're there and about, but I think they're they're missing something. And I think on City's part, I think they're they're sort of really struggling to sort of really put teams away with the firepower they've got. Yeah, they're just not. They're keeping teams in the game, and yeah. They're missing what you mentioned at the start, the striker. I mean, Bullet's not offering what you would expect. I think we talked about this last week. I think, and when Lachlan Scott came on, I thought he had a bigger impact. I think it was officially an own goal or was it credited to him? 
No, your, goal your, either way, he had a big goal. impact on the game. So The West Sydney Wanderers' Twitter account will say that it was a fantastic goal from Lachlan Scott. In, in bold capital letters. I want to know what they thought of the Melbourne City goal. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, speaking of City, I do think City were pretty good on the night as well. They're probably worth their point. But it's a pretty thing... nondescript game for me, mm. other than the instance we might get to later. But apparently uh, Super Tim is not quite happy with his role at the moment. Well, at least you could infer that from the comments he made where he's saying he's not quite, he's not quite comfortable playing where he is. I never thought it would be a good fit anyway for him with four in a roll here because they don't play two up front and he kind of has to drop off. I don't think that suits his game anymore. So he's probably he's right. He's very, very deep. And nice. it's, in fact, it's, you know, it's a miracle that he actually was there to, you know, to tap in, basically. I think he took that point himself that, you know, as a bit, bit against the sort of game plan, him being on, on the sort of far post, you know, tapping in. But, um, yeah, no, I, he, he is seriously playing out of position. I think that's actually a detriment more than anything for City at the moment. It almost looks like the role he was playing for Everton. Back in the day when he was playing behind the striker at the moment. That's kind of looks like what he's playing at the moment. And a little bit younger and more mobile. Yeah. yeah. Although that being said, I still feel like Hagel is more than capable of oh, yeah. just saying, all right, stuff it, I'm taking over this game now. He's certainly capable of that. I don't know if he's capable of it in that role. but well, we've, And the thing is, like, take a look at the two former Raw players uh, in their team. Luke Bratton, who is a phenomenal passer, I feel like he could actually pick out Cahill from 50 yards in the box if he wanted to. And Ivan Franich, who had that cross for Cahill in the World Cup. Mm. So... They've got some guys that can provide the service to him if they decide to run with Cahill at the start. And just on Bratton, he's playing a bit more further forward than he saw with the Raw. He's playing more in that attacking, sort of attacking midfield type role as opposed to the deeper role he played with the Raw. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I say it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's a strange sort of, sort of setup that, you know, that you know, John Van Schip is actually putting through at the moment for City. And um, yeah, I don't know if it's actually sort of working out. Because like I said, they really seem to be missing that, uh, that, kill, that kill punch. That, you know, where they, we thought that you know, they, they were going to score a, a heap of goals after the derby. But they sort of seem to be struggling to put teams away at the moment. It's almost like he designed the system to suit the players other than the system. Well, I'm trying to remember. But when did yeah. Cahill sign? Was that in was, July? No, it was later than that. Mm. Okay, because I'm just thinking... By that August, I think it was. Well, by that point in the preseason, surely the coach has got a pretty good idea what his team's going to look like. And I'm wondering if, you know, despite the added attendance Cahill will bring to the games, it might not be the best from a footballing perspective. Yeah, so it certainly seems like, like I said, it's it's very weird seeing Tim Cahill playing sort of the, the right midfield, you know, sort of drifting in, I guess, you know, if you... You're sort of being real about it, but um, yeah, he, he is very deep for someone that you know. Obviously, for you know, a known sort of goal scoring predator, almost you know, yeah. He, I just I just think it's a bit the system seems a bit out of whack. But then again, you know, Melbourne City is still travelling right. It's, it's a point, so yeah. And to your point, I was talking to people from Sydney SC at the time when they signed Alessandro Del Piero, and they felt the same. They thought that he, Farina, oh, Ian Crooker built a side, and Del Piero didn't really suit that but they had to fit him in and change it all around because he's such a so, high profile recruit it's almost like you've got 10 guys with a set job and you've told the players like Cahill and Del Piero where you say you go do your thing we'll work it out and you know we are getting to that point of the season now where you kind of feel like these players should be gelling it's a third of the way into the season almost just about already so, I know it seems ridiculous but it is we've gone that long without punching each other I know <laughs> <laughs> you're getting close <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'll keep mentioning Arsenal and see what yeah. happens. Okay. <laughs> All right, so Perth Glory, Adelaide United, 3-1 to the Glory. I suppose a big talking point to come away from this game was Guillermoore, probably the nicest manager in the A-League, getting sent to the stands. What happened? I have to admit I didn't watch this, so Okay, so there was a corner, and it's gone in the... I can't, was it Roston Griffiths has gone to contest with Galekovic, and they've... He's, I, it, to me, it's a 50-50 contest, but it's been... 
Amora and Adelaide see it as a foul and it's dropped a cow and he's tapped it in. Okay. And Adelaide blew up about it and I can see why they did because nine times out of ten you see that given as a foul. But just, that was the not, one time out of ten. Yeah, and they've just... It's been given as a goal and Adelaide weren't happy about it. That's so. what I get for going to bed early on Friday. Yeah, from, what, from what I understand, the, the actual charge, the FFA charge, is actually for Gear Moore actually putting his hands on fourth, fourth referee Adam Fielding. And obviously the, the defence that's coming out is that you know, because of Moore's, you know, sort of less than great English, that's his way of getting his attention. But, you know, as, as a lot of people said, you know what, that, that's, a, that's still a charge in Spain. So, I, I don't know, like, it, look, it, it may be a spare-of-the-moment spare thing, you know, look, he's... He seems like you know one of the nicest plus guys in football, but you know, he's going to have to answer charge. He's, he's got one week, and it may be more, depending on the uh, hearing. I think it will be more, but Adelaide lost their rag at that point. Guillermoore lost it. And was it um, Jordan O'Doherty got the red? Yep. I think he that. could have got a straight red for that second yellow. It's sliding in, and then he's punched the, punched the wall on the way into the dressing room. He's probably out with a broken hand anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll keep moving on. Newcastle Jets, Central Coast Mariners, Sunday afternoon. 1-1 draw in the... F3, M1, X48 derby. <laughs> it's not the M1 derby. That's still trademarked, Brisbane Royal Gold Coast United. But didn't they rename the highway between the two? I don't it's know. It's all one big highway, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> it's all M1 these days. That's why they've kind of tried to steal it. But no, you're the F3 derby. Fair enough. Down I think there. we're going to stick with that name. It was the largest derby crowd since November 2013. So do you feel like Newcastle, they're building something there that should at least get the locals in behind them? Uh, look, I think part, I think part of that is um, obviously so, you know, having the you know, the billionaire owner, and obviously there's things sort of going going on. But I think the crowd, I think that was because of the initiative that you know where Mariners uh, Mariners sort of members, uh, sort, of, well, sort of the higher level members, actually could actually get in for free as part as part of the membership package. So I think that because there actually seemed to be a decent number of Mariners you know, supporters in yellow actually in in the grandstand. So I think that boosts that. But I think as well, you know. Yeah. Newcastle, I think as a whole, I think are, they are seeing something, just looking at the results at the moment. I do think they are building something, but to Adam's point, I think it's a swap between the two clubs. Both clubs' members can go to the away F3 derbies to support their team to try and get attendance up because it's dropped off. I mean, since the 2007 grand final, when that rivalry was really heated, since then it's kind of dissipated. And there's been a bit of commentary during the week about trying to bring that back, and I think this game might have been the first step towards doing that. Well, I suppose, because that was the original derby. Yeah, it was. And they're seeing all the big crowds going to Sydney and Melbourne derbies, and they're thinking, come on, guys. That and all the attention, all the marketing, all the promotions gone to those derbies, it's been kind of forgotten. And I do think if they can bring that back, it'll be a good good event for both of those two teams to have. Yeah, fair enough. All right, so we're going to move on to some of the news and stuff from around the A-League. The big talking point this week, and I know we all love this one, it's the refereeing crisis. Do you feel like the referees are performing up to standard, Adam? Look, it's. Um, look, I don't want to sort of, you know, we, we sort of try and stay away from referee bashing and all that, but I think there's got to be some accountability somewhere along the line. And if that, if that means Ben Wilson's job, then so be Because, like I said, no matter how you want to spin it, no matter how you want to um, dress down, like uh, Greg O'Rourke, the A League head, sort of actually comments saying that, you know, it's actually the referees are doing. Are sort of better than they have been in previous years. You know, that's, that's all well good for those who understand the game, but, you know, for the general Joe public, 11 incidents, and this is actually quite 11 incidents of game-changing errors. You know, that's, that's not a good look, and, and we're, not, we're not alone. I think that's the main thing, and, you know, Simon Hill, in his uh, weekly article, I think he brought up a very good point that a lot of it is now, because of the referees, you know, coaches are now sort of saying, well, oh, you cost us points, you cost us points, which, you know, that's, it's, it's a load of... It's you know, easy excuses. It's it, very easy excuses, but at the end of the day... Um, 
The glaring errors aside, uh, like I said, they're probably they're doing the best they can. I think they're, I think there's a bit of under-resourcing there to a bit, and I think the, it's actually the performance of the the three full-time referees that's mm. actually under the most uh, pressure at the moment, under the most sort of focus. So look, it's I wouldn't call, like crisis, maybe not, but it's there certainly is a problem. They didn't, they just there's no use the FFA trying to sort of you know, bury their head in the sand. And that's the point I was going to yeah. make about the full-time referees. I can't remember the other two. Sean Evans is one. Who's the other two? Because oh. uh, Jared Gillett, Jared Gillett and yep. uh, Chris Peake. Okay, so well, Jared Gillette had the incident in Perth, which I thought he got right, but a lot of people thought he got wrong. I mean, Sean Evans has been dropped twice already this year for mistakes. and So if you're looking at referees, you'd expect the full-time ones to be at the top of the tree. And well, I think Gillette, Gillette's been the best of them this year. The other two, maybe not so much. I don't know. I, but I don't want to bash them too much because look, they're doing a job and it's not an easy job either being a referee. Well, and you've only got yeah. one view and... These days, with all the replays that the broadcasters show to give you different angles, they don't see that. They only see the one angle. And look, I hate that argument, no matter what, of referees cost a team points. Like, just in a pure hypothetical, if the Raw had have given up a second goal in the second half of um, Saturday's game, I honestly would have looked at it and gone, well, how many of those stupid back passes did yeah, you have to play? Looked at the first half performance, yeah. Yeah, and you say, well, maybe if you don't make any of those mistakes yourself. Like, I don't think referees are ever going to be 100% perfect. You just hope that the mistakes that they do make don't have a huge impact and that's not what you're talking about come Monday morning. Which is exactly what's happened this week because that's all people are talking about at the moment. Well, the one, one, one of the cop-outs as well and one of the sort of the, the, sort of the more interesting sort of comments I've seen on social media was, oh, well, why don't we get foreign referees? Well, as, as you know, James, being an Arsenal supporter, the Premier League referees aren't going so great either. So this is not something that is... that a, Like, the whole A-League standard is rubbish compared to the rest of the world. Like... Now, considering that you now these Aussie referees are probably some of the better referees in this confederation, and now and it's very very hard to you know to compare to say to Europe. But look, at the end of the day, there is a problem. But I don't think it's the end of the world as some of the coaches, some of the fans are, are trying to point out as because you know at the end of the day, it is it is what it is. And I don't think foreign referees will make any difference either. We've seen a couple of Japanese mm, officials absolutely. come out here in the. A-League, and they've been kind of inconsistent and or different consistency to what we've seen from the A-League referees. It's kind of different interpretations, and I don't think it would work, to be honest with you. And for me, that's the big thing of referees is, look, I get it, they're going to make mistakes, just call the game the same way the whole way through. Like, if it's a penalty in the fifth minute, it should be a penalty in the 90th minute, and, you know, not to dig up old wounds, but I remember the grand final against yeah. Perth. If that happens at... Hi, hi listeners in Perth and Farfos Perth. Hi, how are you guys? You, you, <laughs> you, you can send the expletives to... What is it on Twitter? At Raw Review. I look forward to reading them. <laughs> <laughs> it was a penalty. Get over it. <laughs> but that's what I mean. Like, if that happened to, again, Theo Walcott on halfway where someone trips him up. And But the problem is... People can't agree on whether or not the last Star Wars movie was good. How are we going to agree on something that happens in a split second, you know, from a TV camera? One last point I will say, Mark Bolton's argument about two officials on the goal line, I'll second that. That will cut out a lot of them, particularly the one, the Guerrier one between the Wanderers and the Victory two weeks ago. That would, those sort of incidents in the penalty box would, you'd hope be seen by an extra official. I kind of agree with him on that. Look, at this stage, I take anything home at the moment because what, what is going on at the moment is, is not, obviously, from a general sort of sporting public point of view. And this, this has gone beyond just football fans. Like, they, like I said, Wide World Sports you know, are, running, are running sort of you know, commentary on this as well. And I think at the end of the day, if having a fifth official on the lines to, to at least assist, then you know what, so be it. I, I, I personally don't agree with that. I think it goes beyond that. But as a sort of band-aid fix a try and sort of at least you know, get the heat off the referees for a couple of weeks, then you know, maybe, maybe the FFA need to look at that. I honest, 
for me, I feel like the answer is technology. I just wish I had a more concrete solution. Than... Well, I know the A-League is one of the few leagues who are trialling the FIFA video referee at the moment. It's just not allowed to be acted on in the game, but they're, they're looking at it behind the scenes. I remember reading about that in the off-season. But for me, that just sounds so odd, mm. having to come in and go, yeah, right, we've got this technology, but we can't use it. I think they're testing to see if it fully works yeah. and the timing of how long it takes and all the rest of it. Well, that's fair. And, and I say this as someone who technology hates on a good day. Yeah, better safe than sorry. Because the last thing you want to do is have a controversial call and have, you know, the fourth official on the sideline with the tablet going, uh, guys, the internet's down. <laughs> and we know, we know especially all Especially with our NBN yeah. at the moment. <laughs> well, we all know about technology failing as, as recently as last week. Yeah, exactly. I did not push a button, yes, I swear. You did. <laughs> you did. <laughs> but I... I suppose just one final thing is it's not just the A-League, it's, you know, the Premier League, it's... We all follow different sports as well. Like, I'm seeing in the NFL, that's honestly ruining the TV product for me where you've got the referees standing around. Always like the Adam Carolla line. You've got these huge athletes running around and it's being officiated by 65-year-olds with cataracts. <laughs> and in the American yeah. sports, have kind of gone to a big replay centre in a lot of them now, so which is taking even longer again because you've got to tee it up and all the rest of it. But anyway, I hope we don't go down that line because that would be even worse. Yeah, I feel like you need to have some... Technology needs to be instantaneous. It's got to be at the, at the stadium as well. I think if the word bunker is used in the A-League, <laughs> run. <laughs> as, as our NRL sort of... You know, I forgot all about that one. Yeah, but... I. I do think one thing that does need to change is the attitude of the coaches and players towards the officials. Like, I've seen a few Sydney... Well, not just Sydney, but the one that stands out is Alex Brosk swearing at a referee when he doesn't get the right call. And it is one thing I feel like a lot of these players can learn from rugby union where, you know, you get the big six-foot-nine South African guy who's been penalised for punching someone in the head and he then goes up to the referee and meekly says, sorry, sir. All the referees <laughs> could just police the rules the way they do in juniors where you, if you swear, you'll get the card. Yeah. Well, I think every every coach so far, pretty much, except maybe Ernie Merrick has had a go at the referees at some point. I think maybe it might be time to just tone that back a little bit so stop blaming referees every time something goes wrong for your team. Yeah, maybe manage better. <laughs> Let's move on to the next topic, James. Yes, that's it. Let me just uh, bring it up because we're running off my phone here and technology is, of course, being technology for me. So it's 2017 Asian Champions League. There we yes. go. So there have been reports about Brisbane Rule being elevated to the group stage automatically after a dispute with the Hong Kong... Uh, after a dispute in Hong Kong, never mind me, I can't read, about the Champions Eastern being stripped of their licence. So they've since been reinstated by the Hong Kong FA, meaning that they will take their place in the group stage. Subject to the AFC ratifying this when they confirm the ACL team lineup tomorrow, 24th of November, or by the time you're listening to this. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so you've got to love the timely news. At this stage, they're all scheduled to play a playoff on the 7th of November against an opponent yet to be determined. The draw's going to be held, I believe, 12th of December? Yes. The Confederation Cup draw is this weekend. Is it? Oh, good. Yeah, I was just listening to that on the way in. So, okay, so the Hong Kong thing's really interesting because Eastern backed out of the tournament because they weren't, they didn't feel it was beneficial from financially. And Kitchi, who had the playoff spot, stepped up to take it. And the AST said no. And because Japan, China and South Korea already have three in, which is the maximum... The A-League got the third team bumped in, which would have been Brisbane into the group stage, which is what we were planning on talking about today until this other news came out, which is the Hong Kong Football Federation got involved, and they said no. Then Eastern, you're back in. So they're waiting to see if AFC ratify that the way, which I think everyone expects they will, which means we'll be back to where we were a week ago with Brisbane in the playoff. And hopefully we'll know where the Roar are going to play their playoff. Yeah, maybe. All right, so I'm actually going to call a quick audible. We're going to take a break now and then come back and talk about the W League, Youth League and... Another big news story. We'll be back in a little bit on the Brisbane Football Review. 
You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back to segment three of the Brisbane Football Review here at the Switch 1197 Studios and part of the Outside 90 Fan Network. So we're going to uh, come back and talk about the W League and the National Youth League to start off with. So we'll start off with the W League. Round three saw the women's team take on Cambria United, AJ Kelly Field in Redcliffe. It was a pretty even game where both teams having fair chances. It would be, uh, yeah, be Ashley Sykes' 54th minute goal that would decide the contest. However, Canberra goalkeeper Trudy Burke would be the difference with a number of brilliant saves to deny the roar. A crowd of 1632 made their way up to the peninsula. The first loss for the Raw this season, though, should they be worried much about the result to a high-quality opponent? Look, I think um, it looks like that, you know, Canberra, Brisbane, Raw, Melbourne City, defending champs, you know, Sydney, they look like to be, you know, the, the sort of main bunch, and also Newcastle, who are actually, you know, going quite well. Yeah, so surprise package, actually, at the moment, yeah. Yeah, so I, look, I think um, it's a loss, but I think it was an, sort of an opportunistic loss. Um, look, Canberra got the goal when they need it, and they, they closed out the game. I, I think it's, well, it's three points lost. Um, look, I don't think the uh, Raw women should be too upset about that. Because they created a fair few chances, didn't they? They, they did. And, um, like I said, as you said, in your um, summation, um, like Trudy Burke was a difference in, in that. She made some excellent saves. I think one, I remember, you know, Katrina Gorey, I think, you know, latched onto that, you know, I know that, Got got they scored the goal in the Sydney game. You know, it was a very similar shot, and actually, Tree Burke was equal. So, um, yeah, look, I, I think at the end of the day, Canberra got three points, but I don't think the Raw should be too worried about it. And one very quick point on the crowd: sixteen hundred thirty-two people. It was a good crowd, but I just wonder how many people would have gone if it was a. More central locations, but we've been over that before. Well, yeah. it was in your backyard, Adam. So. Yeah, well, look, look, but mind you, talking, talking to people as well. And you're now, still charging entry to your own backyard. <laughs> well, that's the donation, but anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, even but talking to a few people so there as well, I think, I think the consensus is that, you know, the crowds will be, it's like a 1632 at AJ Kelly is, is fantastic. Really but um, look, if, if it, to repeat the sort of crowds that they got in round one, it's got to be a central location, so... Look, I think hopefully Raw learns some lessons for future. All right, so some of the other round three scores. Newcastle beat Perth Glory 1-0. Western Sydney 2-1 over Adelaide United. And Melbourne Victory went down to Sydney FC 2-1. Uh, with the National Youth League, the Raw travelled across the continent to face Perth Glory in a Conference A fixture at Dorian Gardens. And the youth team, despite facing no less than four senior contracted players, left off with their heroic 3-3 draw in week one to record a 6-0 drubbing of the hosts. Joey Katavian recorded a brace and now has 42 goals in the National Youth League. That's impressive. Yes, I know that. Wow. <laughs> Mark Rodich, Shannon Brady, Nicholas Panetta and Joseph Champness all got in on the score sheet. Just as importantly though, Tom Billich and the back four kept a clean sheet that sees the Raw in second on the ladder. So are there signs that our youth team under James Robinson have more attacking emphasis than in past seasons? I think we've always been attacking. I mean, Adam, you were at the game last year down at... Cleveland Showgrounds, 10, was it 10-2 or 10-0? 10-0. 10-0. 10-0. So we've always been an attacking side, but well, there's not much we can talk about. I want to talk about the Twitter coverage with Perth Glory. I mean, seriously, 
the posting team is five minutes before kickoff. It's not exactly fantastic. And when everyone else on the Eastern Seaboard was relying on it, including Brisbane Raw's coverage was based off theirs as well, I think you need to be a little bit more punctual. And you also probably need to be a little bit more accurate in your reporting with the fifth goal in particular. Uh, if you missed it, to be confirmed is actually Nicholas Panetta. For the there record, we go. Yeah. Nicholas to be confirmed, Panetta. I was reading that out and trying to remember who was the one that didn't get credit <laughs> yeah. on the day. <laughs> I did the same thing when I was doing the recap. All right, so some of the other scores, because we'll just breeze, th breeze through it since yep. we couldn't see it. Conference A, Melbourne victory went down to Melbourne City 3-0, so City with another big derby win. Adelaide United had the bye. Conference B saw a 1-1 draw between the Mariners and the Wanderers. Sydney FC belted the FFA Centre of Excellence 4-1, while Newcastle was on a bye. This weekend, the fixtures are Western Sydney at versus Brisbane Raw at Marconi Stadium. So it's Saturday. That's in the W League, by the way, James. W League. Sorry, it's been a long recording session. Yeah. <laughs> so Saturday, 2 p.m. Queensland time at Marconi Stadium. And the Youth League, there we go. Yep. Have a bye. So well, how do you feel? They like do have a bye, but after the bye, they have a very big game against Melbourne City because Melbourne City played Perth at home this weekend and they could go to nine points. So and the, the next week, they're up here. Versus the Raw, so Ooh. that could be that could almost be a decisive game. Could be all over if the yeah. result doesn't go away. Because the Raw will have a game in hand, but if they don't win that game, they're going to be at best five points behind. We've been doing this for what eight weeks. That's the most excited I've ever seen you. I'm, I really <laughs> want to win the youth league, mate. It's the one trophy the club hasn't won other than the FFA Cup, and I want it in the silverware cabinet. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, so it's irrational, but I think. Part of being a fan is irrational, and we are part of the Outside 90 yeah. Fan Network. There you go. <laughs> Ding. All right, so we're going to move on to what was originally our segment three, talk yeah. about marquee guest players. So topics come up again in the last few days with reports that Brisbane Raw are interested in approaching Robbie Keane, who decided to end his time at the MLS club LA Galaxy. Raw managing director Mark Kingsman alluded to the club being likely to make a move for the 146-cap Irish international in a Sydney Morning Herald article during the January transfer window. It's worth noting that the Raw's chances of signing Keane are highly unlikely. And I believe we've actually just had some yeah, news on so that. Yeah, so you mentioned Vince Agari earlier. He's tweeted this afternoon. He's, he, he's hearing it's very unlikely Brisbane Raw will go for Robbie Keane. And he's suspecting that there'll be a, more news on this in the morning when John Aloisi has a press conference. So, so again, by the time you're listening to this... You'll probably know more than we know now, but... <laughs> I just... Do you feel like Robbie Keane is the right person for that FFA Tim Cahill rule? Look, judging, judging by, well, I think firstly of all that, you know, Robbie Keane, you know, obviously he's a known name and I think I'd dispute anyone that tried to say that, oh, if you don't know who Robbie Keane is, you probably haven't been around long enough to know football, I guess. But um, look, I'd say, yeah, look, if, if you're going to put, you know, people like Michael Essien, who, you know, a great Premier League player, you know, for Chelsea, you know, if you put him in that, in that sort of category, Robbie Keane's got to be there. So I think as well, I think a lot of uh, Spurs supporters would definitely be oh. happy. Spurs, and also he played for <laughs> Leeds back in the day as well, yeah. and also Liverpool. So there's, he touches a lot of yeah. different big supporter groups. I can't see why he what? wouldn't make it. I, they yes. have a lot of fans that just... I won't finish that sentence. <laughs> but no, he, I think he would draw some fans in, and he probably would be the very first big marquee the Raw have ever had, with due respect to Craig Moore, Thomas Broich... Etc. But well, let's just play a little bit of hypothetical here because we've got a couple of minutes. So if he comes in, how would that impact on Jamie McLaren? Well, that's an interesting topic of debate because Jamie McLaren is out of contract at the end of the season. So you never know what's going to happen there. I don't think the two will be linked. But if a big bid does come in in January, they, he, may just, he may not be here. But if the two are in the same team, I think you can rotate them very, very easily because with the fixtures at the end of the season, there'll be 14 A-League games plus six, potentially seven Champions League games if that goes according to plan there's enough and with the midweek you can play one in one and the other in the other competition I think it'd work fine 
But I just, I just wonder, we were talking about before about Melbourne City, about how, you know, Tim Cahill sort of, you know, has come in and perhaps, you know, changed the dynamic of the squad as far as a functioning cohesive unit. And you know, I just feel that, you know, that we may have to change our tactics to accommodate Robbie Keane. You don't, you don't bring a player of his calibre to sit on the bench or rotate. Or He'll be starting every week. See, I think the only there. way it can work is you'd have mm. to rotate he and Jamie McLaren. I don't think two up front would suit the Raw's personnel with the amount of wingers they have. I mean... You've got to use your resources wisely. And I suppose one one thing that, you know, the benefit of coming from LA is it's not exactly like coming from the middle of a European winter, so it'll be used to playing in warmer weather. Because that was one thing I was just thinking of is how would he handle coming into the middle of an Australian summer? Yeah, I think we've all pretty much agreed. I don't. We think it's all unlikely. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, but I, I, do, I think, I think so. we'd all also agree it would be a good a good move for the Raw. Yeah, and look, and and you, and you can't and you can't fault Mark Kingsman for at no. least you know reaching up for the stars. Look, look, anyone that's you know sort of got a sense of reality about saying, you know what, it's the chances of Robbie Keane coming, much like Melbourne Victory sort of, you know, umming and ahhing and sort of, you know, thinking about, you know, Stephen Gerrard, who's also... A match made well, in heaven, if ever there was who one. apparently yeah. is pretty well set on becoming a coach, based on recent reports. Yeah, and even, even um, CEO Ian Robson has also said that it's a million to one that Melbourne Victory and Stephen Gerrard. But you know what, it's a good sign, at least, that, you know, that the A-League clubs are reaching for stars. They're not just going for, you know, second-tier, third-tier European players. You know, they actually are reaching for names, and that, that seems to be resonating with the fans. And even if we don't, if we get you know, maybe one out of ten you know, out there, you know, I, think, I think it's a good thing. And the ambition that Adam mentioned, I mean, people have questioned the ambition of the Brisbane Royal Ownership Group. We're not going to go over it fully here, but not that the signing of Robbie Keane would alleviate all the problems of the last 18 months, but it would be a good sign of intent that we haven't seen from them since they've been here, to be honest. As long as they pay him. Well, yes. <laughs> Well, he'd be on the first line out if we don't pay him. So <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't think there'll be any negotiation about that. Yeah, well, we were talking about, you know, do does the A-League still need to rely on marquees? And I think they've made a whole bunch of great progress, but for me, they're still yep. not quite there. And they do need to draw in those, for lack of a better phrase, Euro snobs that say, oh, I'm not going to go and watch the young Australian talent. I need a big name, like, for example, a Tim Cahill. And you you're look saying, at Luis Garcia last year with the Mariners. I mean, okay, it didn't work so well, but he brought a lot of people in for that, for, for at least a few weeks there anyway. Okay. So I think it, there's still a definite demand for it from Australian supporters of just general sports fans, really. And I think, well, that demand is there. You should try and capture that. In a, in a perfect world, I guess, you know... You'd like you'd like to think that you know that the A League as it is, you know, the young Australian talents and you know good solid uh, internationals, you know, you know would work. But I think the reality is, and the commercial reality is, you need the big names. Even even after eleven seasons, you need the big names just to pique the interest, to get over the top, TV deal, TV yeah. deal rights and whatnot. And so. just to finish my point, go for it only if it suits the what the coaches want and if it fits in with the team. If it doesn't fit, I wouldn't be going for it. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. And as this is a still developing story, I feel like we're probably going to be able to come back to this next week I'd if we want. So. Yeah. Might even be the topic of... You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com.
Welcome back to the final segment of the Brisbane Football Review Podcast, here from the Switch 1197 Studios and a part of the Outside 90 Fan Network. Before we talk about this weekend's game, Scott, can you outline how people can get in touch with us? Okay, so you can listen to us on Switch 1197. I believe it's Saturdays, is it? Saturday, yeah. Saturdays, I, think I saw yeah. something about that. So it's, you Should can also know. have the podcast on on iTunes and Audio Boom. You got you can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rawreview. You've also got at rawreview on Twitter. And, of course, we've got our, our fan cams after home games on the northern end of Suncorp Stadium. We can come and talk to James. Yes, that's right. I'm always willing to chat to someone. We had a few issues with the software last week. As I said, technology hates me. So It clearly does, given last week, yeah. Hey, the studio's still working. so <laughs> And it's still, still Wednesday for people. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, we, we, before we do that about the fan cams, we do yeah. want to say a big thank you to the Northern Ir- Australian Northern Irish fans. I think that's what they were called. I can't. I, I walked out just as they were finishing up their fan cam. Wherever it was, it was, it was, that, that was great. They it were was awesome. Great. I was. I literally just could have walked out of shot and let them go <laughs> yeah. nuts if I didn't need to hold the microphone. They were great, and we'll hopefully be able to get something up from them because it was awesome to see. And I feel sorry for the guy who had to come on camera after. Them. <laughs> and we should say thank you to everyone who did come speak to yes. us as well. And if you want to come speak to us again, feel free. Yeah, the next home game will be December eleventh. Yes, Adelaide United. I'll be the uncomfortable-looking guy with the microphone attached to the guy with the camera. And we'll be the even more uncomfortable guys behind the camera, (laughs) out of shot. Yeah, I'd appreciate if you didn't try to flash me this week. (laughs) No, now I'm just making... That was Adam, not me. (laughs) No, that was just me making stuff up. Anyway, Friday night, Brisbane are all playing Western Sydney Wanderers, 6.50pm Queensland time kickoff from Spotless Stadium. All-time against the Wanderers, they've played 16, won 6, lost 8. I think that's the first time they've had a losing record against a team. There's not many. Now, uh, first meeting at Spotless, but they did play at Pertec several times. Eight, it was eight all up, one, two, lost four, drawn two. So, Western Sydney have kind of been struggling at home a little bit. Is this maybe the Raw's chance to get off to a good start in that stadium? Look, I think, um, if anything, I, th- I think that, you know, the Raw, this, this is their chance. I think, you know, they need to get their away for it. If they're going to be contenders, like we all know about, you know, Fortress Suncorp, but this is where the Raw announce themselves as contenders is on the road. Now, in, in a place, uh, even though it's, you know, comfortable surrounds as far as, you know, for Wanderers go, it's still not home for them yet. So I think this is the time and it's, it's here and now. And I, I agree with Adam, but I'll also say the Wanderers would look at this as saying, Brisbane Raw team don't travel well. This is our chance to get three points at home and get our season really kick-started. And the fans are doing their best to make sure they feel like home. Like, they still, yeah. they still sound vocal as ever. So it is going to be a hostile crowd and... Do you reckon there's going to be any sort of lingering, I don't want to say hangover, but feelings from that uh, preliminary final that I don't really remember what happened what in? What preliminary final? No, but seriously, I mean, these two teams have played... Wanderers have been in for four years. The Roar have played them three times in the finals already. So there's a big history between these two sides. and So I don't doubt there'll be hangover from that because there's such turnover players, but there's been a big history between the two sides. I can't deny that. On field, anyway, mate. Some of so me field. would mind uh, Mitch Nichols not to uh, flip off the fans, the Brisbane <laughs> Raw fans, I think. Oh, but I did love that uh, photo a week later ask, with asking Mitch Nichols how many goals they lost the grand final by. <laughs> <laughs> and we can always... You ask with Bullets still celebrating, we'll be there on Friday. He might still be going, you never know. He might never <laughs> have left the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> so, looking at it from a Raw perspective, obviously, for me, Jamie McLaren is going to make his way back into the lineup. Mm. If Thomas Christensen can't go, do they just run with that 11 that started the second half? I think Jamie McLaren might be a bit upset this game, isn't it? Pertec, because his record there is exceptional. It's five goals in three games. It's seven in four against the Wanderers in the A-League as well. So he'll be, he should absolutely be ready to go for this game. Yeah, look, I think, to, I think they should probably go um, 
they, they need, as I said, they need to go out and attack. And they've got, and, and I think the best way to do that is to sort of almost um, go, go forego the number six at Christensen. It's assume that he's he's not. We, we haven't heard much yet. I'm sure uh, by the time you know most people listen to this, they will, will know about Christensen. But whether he goes or not on Friday night, but but yeah, I, I think yeah, go go with what you know best with momentum. That was you know on. You know, the second half from, from Saturday night. So that didn't really answer your question, James, about Christensen. Uh, w- if he's not ready, I wouldn't be starting Jacob Pepper. I would just put Petrados next to Matt Mackay with Holman ahead of him and just go that attacking way Adam was talking about. I wouldn't be starting Pepper in this match. Well, Maybe was, off the bench if you need him, but not to start. Was it just me or did uh, Brett Holman drop in on Saturday? In that I think defensive he did, midfield? yeah. I was a little bit surprised. Like He basically went from the top of the formation yeah. to the base of midfield, which at least says he's versatile. But um, yeah, I'll be I'll be interested to see how they go because I, I don't know. You kind of want to go after the Wanderers, but I don't know if it's necessarily going to work out that way. I Would, think we'll go after them. It's just how attacking formation wise you want to be. And also, also as well now, Wanderers' sort of defence has been has been a little bit questionable at times. Are they don't I don't think they've settled on that that sort of you know well, at least three of the back four anyway. You know, Scott Neville seems to be solid, but the other three you now border as as bro. Aspro Potometers. Yeah. I think yeah. he's quite, I think it's Aspro by Depot. Yeah. He's Aspro by, you know, yeah. us at least. Because yeah. I struggle with names on a good day. Yeah, so I think, yeah, it's a good cause now to go after, to really go after him, I think, you know, especially with sort of a bit, bit unsettled on the in the defensive side of things. That's a good point you make too, Adam, because the defence for the Wanderers has traditionally been their strong point, and this year, it's not. And their goalkeeping situation as well. That's yeah. very, very unsettled. Yeah, I mean, they've got two backup goalkeepers. And you know what they say, if you've got two backup goalkeepers, you've got none. <laughs> that was a pause for dramatic effect. I wasn't actually going to throw to you guys. No, I'm, just, I'm not answering that. <laughs> just got a notification on my phone. We've got 48 hours to kick off. Oh, good. Woo! So, okay, we've spoken about the vulnerabilities that the Wanderers might have. They still have, I would say, a fairly solid squad. Who would you say you're most worried about? Uh, I'd be looking at the attacking midfielders of Jumpai and Nico Martinez. That's where I think they can still cause teams a lot of trouble. They haven't produced much end product yet, but I do think that's where I'd be looking, along with maybe Lachlan Scott. He probably won't start, but if he comes off the bench again, he had a big impact against Melbourne City, and I wouldn't be surprised if he does that again. So that's where I'd be looking at those three individuals. I think for me, I think Mitch Nichols is the one to watch. He always seems to get up. Uh, I don't know if it's if it's you know, it's a personal sort of you know, motivation for him you know, to really sort of stick it to the raw. But you know, he always seems to show up, and you know when we play. So I he I think he's the one that drives it all. As you said, you know Jumpai and you know and Nico Martinez as well. I think they're going to be just as integral. But I think Mitch Nichols is the one to watch. Yep. All right. So we're going to move on to the other fixtures around the A League as well before we do our predictions. Central Coast playing Perth Glory Thursday night football. Oh, not again. On central on the Central Coast as well. So oh, that could be that could be bad for crowd numbers. Mm. Uh, we've got Melbourne victory against Newcastle Jets, Saturday, 4.35pm Brisbane time. Sydney FC against Adelaide, 7.50pm local time, so that would be 6.50 Brisbane time. Yep. And Melbourne City playing Wellington Phoenix, 4pm uh, Brisbane time. It'll be interesting to see how Wellington bounce back. Yeah, and it's, well, that game will also be extra interesting as well for Melbourne City's team selection because they've got another big game coming up, which we might get to in a couple of minutes on was yeah. it, like, Tuesday or Wednesday night next week. So they've... They might try and rest a couple of players, which would give Wellington more chance in this game. And it's nice to see Perth have a road game for once. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, the FFA Cup final, Melbourne City against Sydney FC next Wednesday, 6.50pm Brisbane time. So we're going to have to make sure we're out of the stadium. Otherwise, we might get some... Uh, out of the studio, not the stadium. I'd out of the studio. The stadium. It's, it's a long night. I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So 
We're going to go uh, to our predictions, which I think we're going to try and make a regular thing now. Yep. So we'll start off around the A-League. Adam, I sort of threw you into it last week. <laughs> are, you, are you a little bit better prepared? No, today? I am a bit better prepared. And, and actually, the game I'm most interested in is um, Sydney FC versus Adelaide United. You know, so, you know, Sydney FC, how do they bounce back? You know, their they're sort of six-game winning streak's over. You know, and also as well, you know, Adelaide United, they're, they're looking for their first win. And you know, this is the point last season where their, their championship run began. So, so your prediction? My prediction, I, I reckon draw. See, I look at these fixtures and he's still the only one that's really worth watching. So can I cheat and say I'm looking forward to the FFA Cup final? Absolutely. Okay, because the, <laughs> the other games are kind of nondescript to me, just regular, regular season games. So I'll look at the FFA Cup final. It's a piece of silverware. I'd like to see particularly the crowd number. I think last year in Melbourne, the crowd wasn't the best for a few reasons. I'm hopeful that this time... I didn't know it was on last year. <laughs> it was like a Saturday, but they put the prices right up to A-League Grand Final. The prices I was flying back yeah. from Fiji when it was on. So and that the was... Victory fans just kind of said, nah, we're not buying into this. And mm. the and crowd I... was a bit down. So I'm looking forward to both the crowd at this time. And also it's Melbourne City's big chance to, okay. to get a real foothold. And I think if they win this game, they can really kick on. It might be a big, a big game for the two sides because I think they meet in the A-League week after as well so and i believe they've actually dropped the prices for that game yeah. like i don't know exactly what I think it they're is back to what they were originally for the first year which is which, I can't remember honestly what are, but... for midweek football you need to do you need to make it an inexpensive night out mm. all right so my prediction i'm going to go with thursday night football central coast is going to have a sub 5000 crowd oh that's cheating though oh, that's... okay fine <laughs> did you actually want to predict some ffa cup final or not Pardon? Did you actually want me to make a prediction on that? Yeah, go for okay, it. Okay, I think Melbourne City will win. Okay. You Feel free to recycle that next week, depending on how we're going for time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, well, you want me to make an actual prediction? Yeah. I think the Jets are going to upset the victory. Oh, I would love to see that. Although so It's history in the cards on that, so... I'm just actually looking at the newsfeed and seeing Andrew Naboo is suffering a more serious injury than expected, so... Yeah, that's kind of, they're kind of <laughs> decimated. That might not have been the best prediction on your behalf. Yeah, well, it's a prediction. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, Brisbane Raw predictions. We're going to come back to Adam. What's you, what are you thinking for the Raw versus the Wanderers? I reckon... Jeez. Uh, <laughs> I, I actually think... Um, I think Raw can win this. I think 1-0. I'll say 1-all because I don't... I think the Raw don't travel well. I think the Wanderers draw all their games at home. I think that'll continue. I hate myself for doing this 2-1, Wanderers. I thought oh, it. I'm oh. like, no, I'm not going to do it. 1-all. <laughs> we really do need to go back to, on these uh, prediction segments and see how yeah. we're going. That's right. your job during the next, the next week, producer James. Oh, I think I can tell you I'm on producer, zero. Producer, I'm the host. <laughs> You're also the producer now. Congratulations. <laughs> Woohoo, promotion. All right, so I think that's going to do it for this uh, episode of the Brisbane Football Review, guys. Thanks for your time. Good to see you again, James, next week. Yep, and thankfully I'm still out of arms reach, so you're not going to punch me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be back next week on the Brisbane Football Review. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today.